0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Lockdown Blackhawks Podcast and soon-to-be published author, yeah. Jay Zawoski, as the man finally finished his book. Jay, congratulations. I look forward to... Having to buy a $60 autographed copy from you, it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, kudos again for uh, finishing this giant labor of love you were working on. Thank
1: you. It was a giant pain in the ass. And uh, I said on Tuesday's Lockdown Podcast, I'll say it again, the worst chapter I had to write was the Arthur Wurtz-Bill Wurtz chapter because there's so many, like, weird dates in there. And, like, so... The Blackhawks were purchased from Major McLaughlin by James Norris, but Arthur Wirtz was his partner. And then, like, Arthur and Norris ran it. And then, Norris died. Then, Wirtz ran it. Kind, of, It was just, like, the craziest, most frustrating thing in the world. So, I said when I was done with it, it was, like, one final kick in the nuts from Bill Wirtz from beyond. Because <laughs> like, like, that's how it felt like. Of course, that's the chapter that just, like, t- sucked my soul out. And it was the second to last one I did. So um, anyway, really interesting. Um, I learned a lot making this book. Like, There's a lot of stuff about the early days of the Hawks that I, I wasn't super... Like, I knew the basics of it, but to know how the things really worked. The story of the Wurtzes, as much as people hate them, is fascinating. Like, that, that it should be a movie. The story of the Wurtz family should be a movie. There's clear villains. It's like a mobster movie. It's your classic, like, built-from-nothing like pre de- pre-depression success story and then like how Arthur and James Norris survived the depression it's fascinating I swear to God it should be a movie even if you don't tell people it's about the is it would be fascinating people would love it, it w- it's incredible so buy didn't, my book when didn't Rocky
0: out. recently write a book about it like yeah. the family's kind of legacy I guess you're
1: not promoting a competitor a competing author are you James?
0: No, I'm just probably (laughs) indicating potentially a source material that you maybe use.
1: Absolutely source material. Yes. There you go. Uh, The name of that book, by the way, is The Breakaway. And every Hawks fan should read it just because it's fascinating. Like a look inside the way the Hawks were. I think Arthur Wirtz is a fascinating figure. Like I knew so little about him other than there's some pictures. He's this big imposing dude, whatever. But learning about the way he built his fortune and the way he managed things and just kind of the guy he was. Rocky Words tells a story about when he was cuz Arthur is Rocky's grandfather as most people know but I'm not sure everybody knows that. So like when Rocky would get in trouble, they would send him to see Arthur and he'd have to go into this like, you know, cold marble floor office and just sit there and like wait for the wrath of Arthur. And sometimes he'd be like, "I'm going to make phone calls. You sit here and wait." And he'd make like 20 or 30 phone calls just to mess with Oh my god, it it's Rocky does a good job painting a picture of the kind of guy Arthur was. Not nearly as evil as Bill, that's for sure, but a <laughs> fascinating character. But anyway, there's current Blackhawks stuff to get to. Arthur Wirtz and Bill Wirtz are fortunately no longer problems for Hawks fans, uh, except for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, man, it's been a another week in the roller coaster of the Blackhawks season, man. It's just been every time you're ready to put the fork in the Blackhawks, They play well, and they surprise you, and look, that St. Louis game was a complete disaster, but the reality was they had a 3-0 lead on the Blues and controlled that game for a long time on the road. Then they go and beat Minnesota pretty convincingly. It's just like, let me know. What are you? Are you good or not? What do you think, James? Are they good or are they not?
0: I am still standing by what I've been saying the entire season, and I'm sure our listeners are getting really tired of hearing me say it, but I'm trying my best to ride through these ups and downs because I just know that they're they're coming. It's like a roller coaster, man. Like you're gonna be climbing up for a while, and then the anticipation's gonna be, you know, when's this other shoe gonna drop? And then whoosh, you just are completely, you know, down just like they were losing four games in a row, including three straight in regulation capped off by that just hideous loss to the blues that third period i i know there's probably not literal tape that you can burn of that game but i almost wanted to like record it on a vcr just so i could burn it like (laughs) i just wanted to
1: go to goodwill record it (laughs) and then just set the entire vcr on fire
0: you know what's really weird is that vcrs at goodwill are significantly more expensive than dvd players well it's probably because like hipsters are making them cool again yeah, well, hey, man, I've been trying to do that with cassette tapes. We'll see if that oh ends God. up uh, coming coming around again, but I digress. But why? I don't understand that. Like,
1: cassette tapes are the least convenient medium of all time. That's but, probably why. But why would you want to bring that back? No <laughs> to, one misses to that. show
0: kids how bad we used to have it, damn it.
1: <laughs> In my day, we had to rewind the tape. We had to figure out where the song was. <laughs> I was trying to explain to Addie, like, we were listening to, I know we're, there's a lot, come on, shut up, the Hawks aren't that good, we can talk about other stuff.
0: Exactly, thank God, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I was trying to explain to her, like, you know, you have the convenience of an Apple Music playlist where you can just, like, add a song to a playlist. If I want a song, I had to put the radio on, wait for it to come on, hit, you know, hit play, record, and pause, and then when the song starts, unpause it, and then cut off before the DJ talked, it wasn't easy to do it back then. Took a lot more. Dude, work. you
0: can Google music now and find it instantly. You don't have oh, to yeah. go to Fye or Suncoast or whatever <laughs> to go find it. You just get it online. It's insanely easy to get music yeah. now. It used to be a huge chore,
1: or or destroy your computer with uh, LimeWire or Napster back in the which day, which
0: I definitely did. My, yeah. By the way, first MP3 player you ever owned? I
1: had. I was an early
0: adopter to the iPod. I had the first iPod. I had a Dell Pocket DJ. That was the first one that I ever had, and yes, it was full of songs that I got on Napster and LimeWire.
1: Is our podcast available on uh, the Zune?
0: <laughs> My sister had a Zune. Actually, our family was a very late adopter of the iPod. Steve Jones is probably rolling over, or Steve Jones, Steve Jobs, not the former pro golfer Steve Jones. <laughs> might be. Steve Jobs is rolling over in his grave.
1: All right, let's get back to the Let's get back Please, to the discus yes. the disky puck. No more
0: digressions, damn it. No, we that's need to enough. talk about this Blackhawks team. That's enough. All
1: right. So, I don't know. I watched the Blues game late. So I knew what happened. I was out. It was uh I was at a Christmas party and of course, like I forgot to not check my phone. I'm like, "Shit, I just saw what happened." Uh and I hate that. I hate watching a game knowing the outcome. And I watched it start to finish anyway before the Bears game. And until they blew it, it was good. I know it sounds crazy, like except for the four goal disaster in the third period, everything was fine. But they were except able for to...
0: Lankin getting shot. The play was great.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's funny, but it's true. And the fact that they had a three nothing lead on the Blues is a good thing. What encouraged me though was the fact that Sunday the Wild came in hot. The Hawks had lost that heartbreaking game Saturday. They had to fly home. That game was prime for disaster, and that could have been one of those defining moments in the season where that Blues game, you mark that as the point where it all went to hell, and they bounced back Sunday and won, and that to me, I'm not going to make more of it than it is, but it's encouraging that they did not just completely fall to crap After that loss, they came back and responded with a good effort. And that was a pretty solid 60-minute effort. And I know we we don't respect the Wild very much, and we probably shouldn't, but (laughs) they've been playing very well lately, and the Hawks took it to them. They played well.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing that stood out to me most about Sunday's game is not just the fact that the Blackhawks did bounce back, but who they were getting the production from. I know that this season we've talked a lot about how – your best players need to be your best players. And what I loved about Sunday's game is that that was absolutely the case. Yes. Jonathan Taves had three assists in the game. Patrick Kane had a hat trick. Brandon Sod scored another goal. Like, your best players were your best players in that game. And they carried the Blackhawks to that win over the Wild. And it was absolutely awesome to see all of those things kind of come together. Taves was dominant in the face-off circle, was moving the puck around really well. He looked very aggressive in that game. He looked angry, which I definitely have not seen a ton from him this season. Patrick Kane obviously was all over the freaking ice, had what, like seven or eight shots on goal? I mean, it was, it was one of those games that your best players just came straight to the forefront, and they were like, look, we're tired of losing. We're tired of this nonsense. We're going to go out. We're going to take it to the Minnesota Wild, and it just makes you wonder, at least a little bit because lost in the glow of it for me was thinking, where's this kind of like anger and animosity and passion every single night that the Blackhawks play. Yes. Far too often this season, we have seen them come out with pretty listless efforts. And we saw a couple of those last week against Vegas and against Arizona. And they did come close to winning that St. Louis game and should have won that St. Louis game. But You just you look at games like Vegas and Arizona and go, why the hell can't they bring the effort that they had against Minnesota to games like that? It's maddening to me.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Taves playing angry and that's a really good way to say it. He was definitely playing with an extra level of intensity uh, the entire game. And like not to make light of it, but the only time I've seen him angry this year is after he takes an obvious penalty and goes palms up and yells at the ref or he gets thrown out of the faceoff dot for totally justifiable reasons and goes palms up on that again the response of the veteran player saying screw this this is not how we're going to go out it shows you that there's still some fire in these guys look i know winning three championships you can lose it like you can sort of lose that fire like look i've accomplished everything i'm ever needing to accomplish a fourth cup would be great but I'm not going to live or die on it. I've already won three. That's a natural way to feel. And aside from the very most competitive people of all time, like the Michael Jordans of the world, some guys are content with that. And I, I was afraid we were starting to see that from the Hawk Stars where they're just going to sort of coast to the ends of their careers. You know, Brent Seabrook, not seemingly interested in being traded. he have been approached about moving his deadline, moving his uh, deal last year and was sort of like, eh, not really. No, nah, I'm not really gonna do that. Not interested in that. I'm pretty happy here. I'm glad to see that at least for one night the Hawks had some fighting them, and I hope to God it continues because they're gonna need it Wednesday night against the Avalanche. That's for damn sure. Eight one and one in their last ten, Colorado.
0: Yeah, Colorado kind of good at hockey, and I think we've uh, seen that in both of the games that the two teams have played against each other. The Avalanche put up 12 flipping goals against the Blackhawks in two days, and I know part of that was Duncan Keith not being in the lineup. We can talk a little bit about that, too, but damn, Colorado is terrifying, and oh, yeah, you get to play them twice in the next five days.
1: Yeah, and good luck. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and Winnipeg isn't too bad either. And they're on Thursday night. So, yeah, it's. I mean, this Colorado game is going to be a big, big test. By the way, I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, for all your corporate outfitting needs, give Chris a call, 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. Keep an eye out. Once the new year hits, I'm going to talk to Chris Hubble from Triple Threat Sports. We're going to open up a Madhouse podcast pro shop. We're going to have some T-shirts, some sweatshirts some pucks, some hats, some different things available to order. I know we have a Threadless shop on the madhousepod.com right now, but it's been a virtual ghost town basically because I haven't promoted it. But Triple Threat Sports can run everything for us, the shipping, the everything. So uh, we're going to set that up in a new year, so be on the lookout for that. But yeah, Colorado, now all of a sudden healthy. They're performing like they expect to perform. And I think you know before the end of this week, you're going to see them in first place in the West um st louis has a slight advantage on them right now but they're just stacked they're just so loaded and the thing the hawks struggle with against every team but especially colorado is their damn speed that team is mm-hmm. so fast and they know that the hawks are not a fast team and they take advantage they come at the hawks straight ahead and blow past them so i'm going to be interested to see if or what jeremy Cowton does if anything to slow them down
0: And it's it's crazy to me how fast they are. And you mentioned that their offense just can hit you so quickly. They've scored more goals than any other team in the NHL this season. They are an offensive juggernaut. And then they barely allow any goals too. like I was just looking at the standings earlier today because I wanted to see where the Arizona Coyotes, the new home of Taylor Hall for those of you who didn't pay attention to the NHL at all yesterday. Um, It's crazy to me that Colorado not only has the most goals in the Western Conference, they're also in the top three in goals allowed. Their goal differential this season is really good. That team, like you said, Jay, super complete team. They absolutely have what it takes to go on a deep run in April and May. And it's so crazy to me that not only do they have that going on for them right now, They've got some guy named Bowen Byram that they're going to be able to bring up next season, too. Like, they're just going to be able to freaking reload. And that seems to me to be the only thing that they know how to do right now is to get new guys into this thing and to just immediately make a giant impact at the NHL level. And I, I'm very impressed with what they've been able to do. And I've been very hard over the years on the Avalanche for squandering some really good players. And they seem to be completely done with that now. Yep. And look,
1: Kale McCarr is already, in his rookie season, one of the best defensemen in the game, offensively and defensively. If Bowen Byram is anywhere close to what he projected to be, that's going to be their Keith and Seabrook for the next 10, 12, 13, 15 years. They've got those two guys. They've got McKinnon. They've got Landeskog. They've built this team kind of backwards, as the Hawks did Keith and Seabrook first, then Taves and Kane. Colorado is doing it the other way with the offense first now the defense they made some shrewd moves in the offseason I thought bringing Nazem Kadri was a really good move for them they're I think they're the best team in the league I really do um, Boston's up there they have an argument the Blues have continued playing great but when it's all said and done I look at that roster as a whole Colorado is going to be tough as hell to beat and uh, to me they're the team to beat in the NHL this year by the way do you have the standings open
0: I do, yeah.
1: You want to make Hawks fans feel better?
0: Sure. Tell them about the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) The Detroit Red Wings, after 35 games, are (laughs) 9-23-3 with a grand total goal differential of negative 60. You want to know what the second worst goal differential in the East is right now? It's negative and then you have to go all the way to negative 19. That's how historically bad the Detroit Red Wings are. They are – they're not good, Jay. They, no, they're, they're not bad. Good.
1: Yes, thank you. That, that is the analysis the Madhouse Podcast audience comes to expect. By the way, they're losing 4-3 right now to Columbus, so they're minus 61 and goal differential oh just to just to God. keep just to keep the podcast accurate the, B- the Blackhawks are <laughs> a negative
0: 16 by the way just yes. in case you think it's all doom and gloom
1: yes and we <laughs> laugh about how bad the Hawks defense is all right well we mentioned the core of the avalanche that's something I want to discuss next segment with you I want to talk about the Blackhawks core going forward but before we want to take a break we need to do, to address the Mark Crawford situation I had a chance to do it on Tuesday's Lockdown Podcast. James, I want to give you the first dibs here at the Mark Crawford thing. If you missed it, Monday night, the Blackhawks sent out a press release saying they'd had the review of the Mark Crawford situation, the uh, allegations of abuse from Sean Avery and Harold Drukand and some others. Brent Sopel was one of the guys as well that reported that uh, that Mark Crawford had gotten physical with them in the past. Hawks issued a statement. Saying they had concluded their investigation and they're happy with um, what they found. What they found is Mark Crawford has been going to therapy for the last 10 years uh, to handle these emotional problems, to handle the way he's dealt with failures and successes and all those things. And Mark Crawford, in his statement, never, ever pointed a finger at anyone but himself. He took full blame. He never denied it. He acknowledged the fact that he knew he needed to change and took steps to change. So I applaud it. I think they're doing everything right. We have to assume they're being honest here. The reason I assume that is because, well, I'm going to let you get into it, but they have no tie to Mark Crawford. If they fired Mark Crawford, it's not the end of the world. So I think they're they're being honest about this. I'm sure they haven't been in the past about some things, but I'm going to believe them here. James, what
0: did you make of this whole thing? I I was fully ready for the Blackhawks to issue some bland non-apology and to just kind of let this thing go and, you know, just bring him back very quietly. You know, it's it's pretty standard practice at this point for professional sports teams to do that. But I I think that the way the Blackhawks framed their reasoning for uh, bringing Mark Crawford back and ending his suspension on January 2nd, I thought was completely reasonable they said they pointed out that as you said he has been going to therapy for 10 years long before any of this stuff came to light so this wasn't a sudden oh i'm coming to jesus type of moment where he knew that he had to do that to save his job he did it proactively to save himself and i give him a lot of credit for that He did not mince words in his apology at all. He didn't deflect. He didn't say, I'm sorry for anyone I've hurt. He specifically addressed the players that he hurt in the past and said that he wants to continue to try to build those bridges with them. And I think the one thing that really stood out to me from his statement was when He talked about the game at large, which is something that you and I have talked a lot about with both this situation and the Bill Peters situation. He said, I sincerely want to help make our game better for everyone. I want to encourage anyone who may have been impacted by me to reach out so that we may continue this dialogue. There's an important discussion happening in hockey right now. I am and will continue to be part of the solution moving forward. I think that that is the exact right attitude not only for Mark Crawford, but for the NHL and the sport of hockey as a whole. I thought his apology was heartfelt. I thought it was sincere. And although I do want to add the small caveat that my opinion of the apology doesn't ultimately matter, the only one that really matters is the players that he hurts. I think this is a tremendous step by him and the Blackhawks organization. And I hope that they're very sincere in that effort to kind of reform the game of hockey and to get rid of some of these abusive elements that clearly have been boiling under the surface and now hopefully are going to be exposed to the light of day and eradicated.
1: Yeah and one thing that that also bears noting is a lot of players have come to his defense recently and even Brent Sopel he told the story of the abuse a year ago on the and Chicklets podcast and then it came back up in reference after Sean Avery had mentioned what he mentioned. Sopel said Look, I was just telling a story. I wasn't trying to get Mark Crawford in any trouble. You know, I'm not trying to get the guy thrown out of the game or anything. I was just telling a, a hockey story. And a lot of hockey stories go that way. Right? You'll mm-hmm. you'll read that when you read my book coming out this spring. Um, but that's <laughs> kind of how you know, that's the way the game goes and guys tell funny stories about crazy coaches. Mike Keenan was one of those guys. You know, I'm glad, you know me. Anyone that follows me on social media or has listened to this podcast for a long time, I am the biggest advocate. therapy in the whole world it has done wonders for me and I had a pretty privileged life you know I but there's things I wanted to improve as as a person I want things I want to improve for myself Um, confidence wise self-esteem wise all those things I think everybody should do it and the fact that Mark Crawford identified something in himself and maybe someone else had to do it for him maybe he had things going on at home or with friends where they're like dude you're being a dick go get some help right perfectly reasonable but he did it and he's been doing it and he's stuck with it so with that, I, I think full, you know, kudos to him. Kudos to the Hawks. They handled this well. Now, before we take a break, the only thing about this that is, inter- well, it's all interesting, but that piqued my attention. Why, why January 2nd? If they found that he did nothing wrong, or if they found that, like, he's taken all these steps and if everything they said is true, which I believe it is, why is he going to miss the next eight games or seven games? What's the point? Just bring him back now.
0: The, I've actually been thinking about that. Uh, when did he like go on leave? Wasn't it like around December 2nd? Let me check. I can look up right now. I, I, I believe it was somewhere around there. And if that's the case, then I think that maybe they just wanted it to go. His absence, his suspension, whatever you want to call it. Maybe they wanted to go a full month with it. Like whether that's punishment or whatever, like I think that or he might just want to spend the holidays with his family and kind of like reset and re-engage after going through this investigation and kind of digging up some of these, you know, old skeletons in the closet. Maybe that's what they wanted to do. You're right. Maybe they wanted to give him that time to reset kind of
1: could be. It was exactly uh, it was December 2nd when he was suspended. So it's a month suspension. But again, why continue the suspension? if you found that everything is up and up so i don't know. What's I interesting. get the
0: sense that it's because he wants to spend time with family but obviously that's pure conjecture i don't want to put words in mark crawford's mouth but i would imagine that at least has something to do with it all
1: right we're going to take a quick time out first want to tell you about our friends at the barrel club forty nine ten west 111 street in oakland barrel club illinois.com very much looking forward to some barrel club this weekend i'm going to try that apple pie moonshine Cannot wait, but we've told you about the NHL Flight, the Guy Lafleur Canadian Whiskey, the 99 brand Gretzky Icecast Whiskey, and the Eddie Belfour Aged in Pecan Wood Whiskey. I heard him uh, interviewed on 670 The Score about his whiskey. It sounds really interesting. He put in $6 million of his own money. He said he sold off like all of his car collection to fund this whiskey venture he's doing, him and his son, and it seems legit. Like A lot of the reviews have been like, this is damn good whiskey. This like Belfour knows what he's doing, and his son knows what he's doing. I know his son had some sort of internship at like a major uh, bourbon company. So uh, go to Barrel Club, check out that Eddie Belfour whiskey. I cannot wait to try it. So forty nine ten West from one hundred eleven Street. Whole bunch more to come on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, including what will the next Blackhawks core look like. I'm James Navo. He's James Zawoski. <laughs> I just said I just screwed up our names. I'm you Jay- really did, man. <laughs> Let me try that again. I'm Jay Zawoski. He's James Navo. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm a professional.
0: Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart.
1: At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career,
0: make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh,
1: The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name and Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The and ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski. He's James Naveau. That are, is correct. <laughs> they are Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. They've got locations in Burbank and Darien, Get out there and try their new chicken sandwich. You've been seeing all the news about that Popeye's chicken sandwich. Chucks has made their own, and it is to absolutely die for the best I've ever had. Go to Chucks, try that chicken sandwich, but everything there is phenomenal. I tell you about the wings, the jambalaya, the Saturday specials, the Cochinita Pibil. They do Tapas Tuesdays. So many great menu items at Chucks. Go there, check them out, and make sure you save room for the cobbler. That will be the highlight of your night. ChucksCafe.com. Burbank Darien and when you go to Chucks or the Barrel Club or Mariska's or Triple Threat Sports make sure you tell them the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast sent you
0: yes it looks good for us it looks good for you everybody wins and you get delicious stuff I think that this is a good thing for everybody involved all right so I had mentioned to Jay in the pregame kind of discussion about what we're going to talk about today that I saw a series of tweets that he sent about who's going to be a part of the Blackhawks core in the future. Not now, the future. And before I do that, though, I do want to point out that Jay also has a poll question on his Twitter (laughs) account. Yes, If the Blackhawks don't make the playoffs, who should his playoff team be the coyotes or the hurricanes? And I'm all of a sudden very conflicted because as everybody on this podcast knows, I have very deep feelings for, both of those teams and i don't know what to tell them you know i know the coyotes are your team
1: and i've nagged you about it, i've teased you about it but they are really fun to watch
0: and now and they just got taylor hall yeah i mean they're gonna get even funner is that a word i don't i don't i think i just made i didn't make it up but i'm i'm just gonna go with it man
1: okay go with it uh but again tavo sebastian aho
0: it's tough Hope, all How hope- about Savetchnikov tonight scoring another lacrosse goal?
1: He did it again. That dude he is... He did
0: it again.
1: <laughs> Who would have thought that Carolina and Arizona would be two of the most exciting teams in hockey? It's really something.
0: I I became a full-fledged Caniac last season. I still have that in my Twitter bio. The Hurricanes and I still exchange occasional tweets on Twitter clearly still a relationship there but man the coyotes are a hoot to watch this year man you yeah. could even say they're howlingly good <laughs> oh you didn't have to say that at all no i didn't actually and i did make a terrible joke yesterday that said just said taylor Howl, and i just left i i, I was like i'm done now <laughs> all right you can finish the podcast by yourself
1: <laughs> see you later buddy
0: i'm out of here I, it's been a while <laughs> since i've ruined jay with puns i thought that it was probably a good time to bring that back it's up. been at least a week <laughs> <laughs> it's been at least since our barrel club event give me some credit here man yes and
1: again i want to take credit you posted the photos on your facebook you wearing the green and black plaid the gingerbread hat and i gave you the green mic screen you were a christmas tree
0: talking hockey and it was amazing it but- was beautiful completely fantastic and wonderful in every conceivable way. And I felt the love in the room that night. And I think it was because of the Christmas aura that I was giving off. Yeah, that didn't hurt. All right. What's the other <laughs> thing uh, you want to bring up about the core? Oh yeah. That thing, that, that old thing chestnut. that we were supposed to talk about. Um, you, had some uh discussion going on i'm not sure if you i have not listened to today's locked on Blackhawks podcast i do apologize for that if
1: this comes up on tuesday's locked on
0: podcast i'm, I'm sorry well, on t- wednesdays i was gonna say today is tuesday james Naveau. i mean jay zaloski <laughs> um that was gratuitous i'm sorry that was a dig um you you brought it up on twitter and i think it is a really interesting question you brought up like the obviously we know the guys that are kind of the core right now, your Kane, your Taves, your Keith, your Seabrook. You brought up who, moving forward, is a part of that core. And I, I liked the discussion that you were having where you said Alex DeBrenket obviously is definitely part of it. You also included, and this kind of caused some consternation apparently, you included Dylan Strom in that group. And I know we've talked extensively about whether or not the Blackhawks not only are going to re-sign him, if they can afford to re-sign him is the other thing we've been talking about. And I just kind of want to give you a little bit of space here on the podcast to talk about that a little bit, kind of tease us with what you're going to bring up in the next edition of the show. And, yeah, like what what has led you to believe that Dylan Strom is worth five to six mil a season and that the Blackhawks should make him a part of that core moving forward? Well, I was curious too, and and the guy on
1: Twitter asked me, like, how can you justify debrinkit money for Strom? And so I ran some numbers. I went to look at guys who were drafted in the year before or the same year as Strom. I used Debrinkit, I used Matthew Kachuk, and I used Patrick Line. okay? So three guys who I think we'd all agree are probably a tier ahead of Strom, right, as far as how they're considered around the league. I would say Debrinkit, Kachuk, and Line are considered in that right behind McDavid and Eichel, elite, elite group of young players. They're probably the you know, 1B. So Kachuk, in his career, his average .78 points per game, he has a $7 million cap hit. Mm-hmm. Patrick Laine, his average .80 points per game, he has a $6 million cap hit. DeBrinket, his average .76 points per game, his cap hit next year will be 64 Dylan Strom's point per game as a Blackhawk is .84. That's higher than Dabrinkit, Kachuk, or Laine. Now, Strom's career that started in Phoenix, Arizona, they're not Phoenix anymore, so Arizona, <laughs> um, w- was bad. He did not put up points there at all. So his career points per game is .66. But look, his career flipped on its head when he came to Chicago and I think a lot of us said okay that was a nice year last year let's see if he can do it again when he's been healthy he's been delivering the points still so when you look at those cap hits and you look at what Strom has done in Chicago five and a half to six million is market value for Dylan Strom you're going to have to pay him that I mean that you're not going to sign him for cheaper than that I don't see any way and I'd be surprised if he signs for less than six I could see if, and this is a big if, Stan Bowman is still the GM of the Blackhawks, that him and DeBrinkett don't get identical deals. I don't think they should happen. I don't think it should happen that way. But just knowing Stan Bowman and the way he operates, there's always an extra two, three $300,000 per year in there for people, aren't there? I could see him doing yeah. that definitely for Dylan Strom. The other thing to note, .84 points per game would put him 21st among active players. That's behind Brad Marchand, who's at 0.852 points per game, and ahead of Eric Stahl, who's 0.828 points per game. So Strom is up there with some really good NHL players. 0.84 points per game is nothing to sneeze at. That's a good, solid number.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up a lot of really good statistical points, and obviously you have made a very compelling case that he's going to be worth $6 million or more on the on the market next season. Obviously, then the question becomes, is he part of the Blackhawks' plans and their core moving forward? And it is just, you look at the salary cap for next season, even with Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard both coming off the books next season, the Blackhawks already have $71.8 million in cap space locked up in 15 players, and that's before you re-sign either one of those goaltenders because of the extension that you've inked. Alex Dobrynkit, too, because of the fact that you still have Brent Seabrook on the books for nearly $7 million a season. You still have Brandon Saad and his $6 million on the books for next year. There's a lot of money that they already have tied up in veteran players. And yes, you could theoretically make some moves, maybe get rid of a Connor Murphy. Maybe you could uh, potentially flip a trade for Brandon Sod if you wanted to. You're obviously not going to re-sign Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard to big money contracts. You're not going to be paying $11 million to goalies next season. But all of that being said, that money, that extension for Dylan Strom is still going to run into a lot of potential obstacles because in addition to all of those contracts, you have the bonuses that you're going to have to pay out to guys like DeBrin and Doc, and those guys it is going to be a really tight squeeze next year, and they really have to determine for themselves that, yes, he is absolutely a member of this core. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense for them to go through all of the hoops they're going to have to jump through to make that contract happen.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to move out some contracts, and you mentioned a couple, Saad, um, Connor Murphy. I, you know, Connor Murphy at 3.8 to me is a bargain. I do what I can to hold on to him, but Ole Mata makes over four. Kelvin Dehan makes four point five. But look, now that he's had a second major injury to that shoulder, no
0: one's going to want him. No, no one's going to. He's, he's held together by paper clips and glue at this point. What about Andrew Shaw at three point nine million for two more seasons? Gone, trade him. You think how much do you think you are going to get for him? It doesn't like, matter. You, you, you do got to literally the, just want to pick.
1: You got to move the contract. You you tried to do what you could this year. You tried to load up. You tried to bring in some veteran help. And so far, it's December 17th right now. So far, it hasn't worked. You're second to last in the Western Conference. Nice try. Didn't work. You've got to start over. And I think the easiest way to do that and the most efficient way to do it is to hire, not fire, hire a new general manager who doesn't have loyalty, who doesn't have his reputation riding on it, and just say, you're fired. Here's someone new to do it do what you want with this roster, clean it up. They've got to do something. And it might get ugly, and it might hurt, and you might have to give up some things simply for the cap space. But the time has come, at least in my eyes, to look forward to the next five, six, seven years and not worry about getting in the playoffs this year or next year. Get Doc Boquist to Brinkett Strom developing at a rapid pace. Get Ian Mitchell up here as soon as he's able to be here have Dennis Gilbert in the lineup. See what you have with him. Even guys like Dylan Secura should be playing. Matthew Highmore should be playing. I don't need to see David Camp anymore. That's a million bucks, but it's a million bucks. If you can move David Camp, go for it. Right? I I it's time. Zach Smith makes 3.25. Is that a guy you move at the deadline for a team trying to get tougher and more physical and versatile. He can play center, he can play wing. There's a lot of there's a lot of money Look, none of the big money contracts on this team do I truly want anymore, <laughs> right? I guess Patrick Kane would be the exception, and to a lesser yeah. extent Taves, but move everybody. I don't care. You're second to last in the West. What do you have to lose? You're, so Besides you're last a lot in the more West. Games. I don't. You they could trade. They could call up the Ice and it won't be as bad as the Red Wings.
0: They should have traded for Taylor Hall. They would have been guaranteed the number one pick in the draft next year. That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> he does that, doesn't he? He has that effect. <laughs> um, yep. Speaking of effect, I, this is a bad segue,
1: but you should go to Mariska's and Crest Hill. I will tell you that sometimes if you have too much of the garlic butter, you got to get home quick. Just saying. I think that Joe Zadralovich and Mariska's would agree. Garlic butter is a lubricant for your bowels, but It's delicious. Go try the poor boy sandwich. Go get the twice-baked potato. The Yodel Burger is James's favorite. While you're there, wash it all down with a delicious craft beer. Mariska's is at 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They're family-owned and operated since 1933, and they are closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Now that this book is written, I'm going to make the Madhouse Podcast grand tour and visit all of our sponsors and get super fat, which I already am, and super drunk, which I'm working up towards And uh, be really, really happy. I cannot wait to go visit Joe at Marissa. Because you and I should try to I know you're crazy busy this time of year. But we should find a time to to head out to Crest Hill and see Joe.
0: You know what we should do is we should just visit all of our sponsors in one day. Yeah, for sure. I'm down with that. Make like an insane road trip. Like video blog it if we want to. Like, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. That sounds really fun. I could use more alcohol and delicious food in my life. All
1: right. Let's do this. Before... So you and I, I think we'll do our next podcast probably, uh,
0: I would say probably
1: maybe Sunday night,
0: maybe Tuesday. I think that could work. Yeah. Well, remember, there's a, a little thing called the Bears game on Sunday night.
1: Oh, yeah. You're you're locked and loaded for a meaningless Bears game. We'll find time soon. They play Monday night. The Hawks do. So maybe we'll do it. Maybe one- we can
0: do it after the game Monday.
1: That'd be fun. I could do that. So I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. All right. Let's plan on that. We'll do a special Christmas episode. I'm going to ask you, though. So they'll play four games between now and then. They're playing Colorado, Winnipeg, Colorado, New Jersey. How many of those eight available points do the Blackhawks take?
0: Three. I think they sneak out a win over Colorado or Winnipeg and then lose in New Jersey to a shootout because nothing makes sense.
1: (laughs) Boy, it's really hard to argue with that. I'm going to say they get five points. I think they're going to take one against Winnipeg. They're going to beat New Jersey, and they're going to get a tie or at least go to overtime one of those other two games. I'm being optimistic. I'm going to be the optimist today.
0: All right. Well, if I don't, our who else listeners will? can let us know which one of us they are uh, voting for in this uh, question. Uh, I'll set up a poll. I, on I'm in three House... Js at five. That's a good. It's a good spread. The over under of being four points. I think that's smart.
1: I will set up a poll on Madhouse Pod on the Twitter at Madhouse Pod. Give us a follow. We're on Instagram too, Madhouse underscore Pod. I got to start uh, using that more. It's a big oversight on my part. I will be much more active on social media now that the thing. is. The book is behind me. With that, we're gonna wrap things up here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com and go see a Zawaski at the Barrel Club in Oaklawn. Barrel Club 4910 West one hundred eleven Street. Join their Spirit of the Month Club you'll be great meatloaf the bone and meatloaf go get a steak go get some meat in your face have a great weekend we will talk to you on monday night on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: a different future starts with you